0: This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia.
1: It is Finance Talkback, and Barry Preston, we do have a special guest today.
0: We certainly do. In a special time of the year, we have a very special guest by the name of Terry McCran. Now, Terry, for over a quarter of a century, has written daily commentary on business, the economy, politics, providing critical analysis, and also a, a television personality, and he's reported on great events and even personalities that have shaped our nation. <coughs> Terry reaches a bigger audience than any other columnist through the, in New South Wales, of course, the Daily Telegraph. And and Sunday Telegraphs and in Victoria the Herald Sun and Sunday Herald and of course the Australian newspaper he's a former Graham Perkin Journalist of the Year Financial Journalist of the Year and a winner of the very prestigious uh, Melbourne Press Club's Golden Quill Award together with the Walkley Award Terry how are you? Good afternoon, Barry. Nice
2: to be with you, and all the best to your listeners.
0: Thank you very much indeed. Any more additions to those awards you've won? (laughs) That's about (laughs) the only only ones you can win, I think, aren't they? (laughs) Okay, look, we're going to go through a lot today, hopefully. Um, Let's first our um, one we usually bring up first, interest rates. Now, increases are becoming the norm. Do you see many more on the horizon this year?
2: Well, the timing of the question is exactly right, Barry, because the Reserve Bank Board meeting, again on Tuesday, and uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to get another interest rate rise, as you said, they're becoming the norm, because, for a very simple reason, very interest rate cuts were so much the norm through the course of a year ago, so we had such big cuts in interest rates, they inevitably, they, they were pretty much at a level where they could only go up. So yes, we are going to see a few more during the year. It's hard to predict beyond Tuesday how many more are going to come, but there will be more.
0: Mm, interesting, because um, I know, over the, we've mentioned this before, that since 1970 to 2008, the average of our interest rates has been 9%. We're not even halfway there at the moment. Well,
2: and we're not going to go back there. Uh, well, well, I hope not. not. <laughs> Something very, very bad happens to the world economy, which I don't think is likely. Um, so we're talking about perhaps the cash rate, which is the Reserve Bank's official rate, which sets the foundation for the rates that matter, dear listeners. Uh, it's going to go up a four to four and a quarter on Tuesday and maybe to five, maybe five and a half through the rest of the year. So that's probably one and a half percent mm. you know, tops on what you will get hit with on your mortgage. But of course, whenever we talk about interest rates, barrier, we've got to remember a lot of people want them to go up because they, they uh, have deposits and... uh they want to see higher interest rates on uh, on their superannuation and
0: their savings. It's a split society in that respect, isn't it? High interest rates have hurt <coughs> hurt people who are borrowing, but low interest rates hurt people who are living off the income. So Which it's a is split. I think mm.
2: they, you need to find the middle road mm. so that they're not too low uh, and they're not too high. So an interest rate a little bit higher than it is today will sort of be be reasonable to both sides
0: two things bringing into that comment uh, terry um i noticed i didn't get the figures until late yesterday but i believe there's been some weak building approvals and of course the market's really taken on board what the reserve bank uh, governor uh, governor said when he mentioned that uh, housing is not being necessarily a risk free asset and that's really something that people should be keeping on board it is not a risk free asset
2: what he was saying more was- Specifically, Barry, that you shouldn't assume that this is the way to always get rich—to uh, either buy your own house and pay whatever price you need to pay to buy a house, or indeed to uh, buy a second house—and uh, that this will always give you ever rising income, ever rising value, and uh, and 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 make you, you know, not necessarily rich, but certainly better off. He was warning against that that the belief that they're housing prices and property prices just keep going up and up and up, uh, particularly when they are as high as they are today.
0: Very high. And another thing, too, I was reading, uh, whether it was your column or not, I'm not quite sure, that one area of comment coming through is that foreign buyers are coming in. And uh, are they the culprits, do you think, that are pushing up prices?
2: They're not the culprits, but they're a factor, Barry. I mean, clearly, what we've done is to loosen the rules on allowing non-residents, people who don't live here, to buy property in Australia, residential property, It's the combination of that, which probably has its biggest impact more towards the top end of the market, the combination of that and this huge increase in population we are now seeing every year in Australia, sort of population increase which we've never come close to seeing previously. Uh, the combination of those two factors is creating a huge demand for houses.
0: Terry, what about the lack of skilled workers? Uh, this has been mooted a lot of late. Can this be another factor towards increasing interest rates? So <clears throat> people paying higher uh, wages to attract workers?
2: Well, that's specifically targeting that. Your point about higher wages is a, is a valid one, particularly in the resources mm. industries, mm. uh, in the, in the hunter, uh, in Queensland and, uh, in Western Australia. Uh, paying high high wages for skilled labor is certainly a factor uh, but generally it's just you know it feeds into that border dynamic in the economy that um, uh, we the economy is in pretty good shape and um, you need you need skilled workers if you're in business
0: also I mentioned a moment ago about the nine percent average over the last uh, 38 years back in you know probably 20 years ago when the rates were fairly high our personal debt level was very, very low. Now the rates are low, yet our personal debt levels—the average personal debt level—is very high. Isn't that a catalyst for possible problems down the track?
2: Absolutely, Barry. I mean, you're exactly right that uh, we're much—we we, we, we both as individuals, both as, as companies, and the government—are um, much more in debt than we've ever been in the past, uh, and again the reserve Bank is aware of this and that means that they recognize that a smaller interest rate rise will have a bigger impact because there's so much more in debt than previously so again that will play into how how much they raise interest rates but it, will it be a problem cause a problem it could well become a problem mm. if we have a if we have a very big increase in interest rates
0: banks have also indicated that they may, may move outside the reserve bank increase I get the impression there that if the Reserve Bank goes up by a quarter of a percent, they could go to (coughs) (coughs) 0.35%, purely because something to do with their wholesale funding. Is this the reason?
2: Well, that's a factor, but not a big factor. It's simply that generally the the banks have to pay to raise raise deposits. And given this huge demand from borrowers for uh, borrowing for housing, uh, they need to raise a lot more money than they would have in the past. Without the government guarantee, they have to pay whatever the market demands for those deposits, and obviously they then have to charge a higher interest rate on the other side when they're lending. But just narrowly, I don't think that's going to happen next week. If the Reserve Bank goes up by, by a quarter, I think all you will see from the banks this time around at least is the quarter?
0: I think so. I think you might be pretty spot on there. In respect of that government guarantee, we're talking about the wholesale guarantee, not the retail guarantee. It's
2: important for your listeners to understand: their bank deposits are still guaranteed by the government. Wholesale gu- guarantee refers to the big licks of money people borrow. The banks borrow <laughs> uh, in the professional markets. You're talking millions in those, and and indeed billions that they borrow. That's no longer guaranteed. But the average deposit up to a million. From, from from people is still
0: guaranteed. Covering the front pages of our newspapers recently has been the price increases in various things. Now these seem to be coming the norm. Medical services. Now in particular, electricity prices, the energy prices have been going up, but there's been so much press I don't think anyone really knows why they're going up. What's the well, main the- reason? This-
2: this is this is this is welcome to the future. <laughs> Your listeners need to uh, understand that, that this is what's going to happen, and it's going to happen for two reasons: that state governments have been very tardy about investing in electricity infrastructure over the last twenty years, and they've let electricity run down, and they've let uh, uh, the lack of a, of new supply coming into the onto the onto the grid is uh, a factor in this. The second big factor is the government's proposed ETS. One way or another, they want, you, want to force you to pay more for electricity uh, to try and stop you using it. So um, this is something which is done, done as a deliberate art decision by Canberra, by the right government, to make you pay not just a bit more for electricity, but a lot more for electricity. Might- Indeed, you can get it, because I don't see any new power stations, any new big power stations being built, Anytime soon, despite the plans that are on the drawing board in various states,
0: they take a, in
2: the Hunter, in, in New South Wales.
0: That's right. They take a long time to build, don't they?
2: Indeed. Well, you've got to, it's not only taking a long time, Barry. But we've basically said, as a government and, broad, broadly, as a society, we don't want the, the, the sort of power that we've been, which has been the mainstay of our economy and our lives for the last century, which is coal-fired, baseload power. We want to, we want to hope we can generate it some other way.
0: Now, it's that's <clears> a
2: fantasy, Barry. I think as you, all your listeners understand, the only want electricity, we're going to have to build more coal-fired power stations.
0: What about gas-fired?
2: Well, you can do gas, but it's expensive. It's very much more expensive than coal, and we can we can sell that gas to. Um, to uh, overseas buyers.
0: This is the funny part that a lot of our listeners can't understand, that if we have the gas here in Australia, we should be able to get it reasonably cheap to put into our power stations to generate cheap electricity, but yet we sell it overseas. Um, am I being cynical here? Or?
2: No, you're not being cynical, but you, the, the, the price of gas is going to be priced in relation to the price of oil. And uh, if you price, if you try and force some the owners of the gas or the people that have developed it, because the, of, at the end of the day, the, the uh, public is the owner, the ultimate owner, if you try and force them to sell it at a price lower than they could get for selling it into the international marketplace, you can do that, but you're paying, you're paying a price as a, as a as an economy and a society for doing so. Mm.
1: And you're listening to Finance Talkback and Barry Preston we have with us today, we're very lucky to have with us today, Terry McCrane.
0: We certainly are. Terry's our special guest today, and he's probably one of Australia's best-known commentators concerning business, finance, and, of course, politics. Now, the next one we're moving into is the stimulus packages. Terry, I've been getting a lot of questions on this, and, of course, uh, I can only go by what we're seeing in the newspaper, but um, how much more is there to spend that we know of in respect to our stimulus packages? Oh, I-
2: I can't give you a specific figure, Barry, but there were two. There were sort of two stages to the stimulus package. One was spending money immediately and quickly, which was uh, both the checks that they put in the mail and the insulation disaster. You know, the whole point of the insulation, which I thought was crazy, was to spend a lot of money as quickly as possible. Um, Then the building schools building program was is, is spread out a bit more and that's still continuing and then beyond that there's some more basic and broader infrastructure so there's quite a mm-hmm. bit still to go but the, the sort of two headline ones uh, in order to try and get the money out quickly apart from the the checks in the mail was the insulation and the and the schools program.
0: Would you also bring in the National Broadband Network in this one?
2: Well, that's that wasn't part of the stimulus package per se, but it is it is part of that all, that government spending, yes, certainly.
0: Now, debts have got to be repaid with interest, of course. So, of course, if the interest rates throughout the world increase, then the interest on what we have to pay back, and it's not the government paying it back, it's the taxpayer, will, of course, increase too.
2: Absolutely right, Barry. So uh, we've sort of got um, a pretty unattractive choice, in a sense. Uh, well, not so much a choice, but what we, what we might face. If interest rates don't go up around the world, they stay down. That'll be telling us because the world is in a, in a sort of a permanent recession, if not worse, which is hardly be good for us. Mm. And if they do go up, exactly your point, uh, the the cost of repaying or, or servicing all that debt before we even start to repay it will go up. So, we you know the, the only thing that can save us from a lot of money having to be redirected from spending on education and social welfare and those things, which we think are desirable to just be paying interest on the debt will be if the world stays in a recession, which is mm. obviously not an attractive alternative.
0: Without the stimulus would we be in as the position of what we are now? Uh
2: we'd be in something less attractive than we are now, but I don't know, you know, I don't know that we got badly for money, Barry, from the stimulus. Um, we've spent a lot of money and uh, we keep reading the headlines, as I'm sure you do, of of extraordinary waste and extraordinary overspending mm. on particular projects, why not? Why, why not, wouldn't it have been better if we spent the same amount of dollars but we actually got better value for them? I mean, it's sort of a basic reality which mm. went out the window in the sort of crazy attempt just to pour the money out.
0: Well, now, I'm in charge of the money at the moment and my theory is, oh, I'm not, of course, but my theory is, how about we just print more money? Is that a realistic <laughs> answer or not? They seem to be doing uh, that there's in America. Been
2: a bit of that. I mean, it's not not quite the way you and your listeners might think of it when you put it in those put it in those terms of literally printing twenty dollar and fifty dollar and hundred dollar notes. Uh, it doesn't happen quite like that anymore. But th- there is a de facto way of doing that, which is with the Reserve Bank uh, the way it the way it balances its books in terms of uh, dealing with the the, the commercial banks and the government. So it's not printing actual dollar notes, but it is putting pumping money into the community. And there's been a bit of that that's been happening uh, over the last year as well.
0: How would it do that?
2: Well, it does it by its balances, it, by buying securities or taking securities from the private sector mm. as collateral and then giving them cash balances in return for that. Uh, and in relation to the government, it's, it's by... Can it ultimately literally give them an overdraft? So either way, it, it can actually put money into the economy, which is not balanced by taking money out somewhere else.
0: Terry, our economy, what we hear and what we see, and uh, in a way, I suppose, feel too to a certain extent. Not all of us, but it seems to be in a fairly good shape compared to some of the other countries around the world.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you look at the, the world is sort of broken up into three categories the, the United States and Europe and Japan. Have have been in and are still pretty close to being in the worst recession we've seen since the Second World War. Yet we, I'm sure most of your listeners, some of them will be feeling a bit of pain on on in different ways, but most of them would hardly think we're in we're in a serious downturn, and we're not. And the reasons for that are partly the stimulus, partly those interest rates coming down, but probably more than anything else, Barry, China, which is which is been booming and continues to boom, and we've got such a strong investment in that success story now. So uh, China, I think, has been more important in some ways than, the, than, than anything we've done in, in keeping our economy uh, in such strong shape.
0: So the biggest challenges we face now, and well, for the future, obviously, managing interest rates, wage blowouts... We're probably relying too much on China because, from an investment point of view, one says we, we should diversify. If if it faces challenges, um, would these be some of the the big ones we face? Those three interest well, rates,
2: exactly right. I you know I would hope that the China issue doesn't become one that's going to impact on us or challenge us in the next twelve months. That if you look out through two thousand and ten, it looks like we could sort of just the extent that we can rely on anything we can rely on china continuing to be good to us am talking in economic terms obviously yep. through the rest of the year but you're exactly right about that in five years time ten years time because the we're going to become so dependent on china that raises all sorts of complex issues not just for the economy obviously but for our politics uh and so on and, uh, and you know i at some point i think china's going to be be start to get very aggressive in terms of sharing that benefit why should 22 million australians get all the benefit uh, from that relationship although obviously it benefits to some extent
0: and and there's only interest
2: rates are certainly going to be a big thing through the course of the year um what the reserve bank does what the banks do and how that impacts on your cash flow wage blowouts i'm not i don't see that as a really serious problem yes your point about skills shortages and people paying more for skills is going to be a factor. But in terms of the overall economy, I don't see that as anything like we had in the 1980s. I
0: think uh, we've also got to be very careful. I see a lot of the big mining companies in Australia increasing their prices and Towards China, and you say there's 22 million of us and 1.3 billion of them. We're basically uh, telling them these are our prices, etc., etc. But there are other countries around the world, and I'm also reading that a lot of many, uh, many mining companies in Australia are becoming very concerned with the Australian governments, that's the federal government and the states, with compliance regulations, increases in resources tax. Could these also have uh, an impact that, okay, Fellas, we're not going to do it here in Australia. We'll go to other places around the world, like South Africa and places like that, where they're a lot more uh, uh, pleasing to deal with. So we say, uh,
2: yes, that, that's a, that's a, that's a, a challenge or a threat. But at the end of the day, Australia is probably still the best country in the world for, for business to operate, and uh, certainly in these mining industries. That uh, on theory, you might say, well, if if we don't Maintain our appeal. They'll go to somewhere in Africa. Well, that's not necessarily an appealing prospect. But we see already that happening at the margin. The Chinese uh, are prepared to invest. They, they joined with Rio Tinto to invest in a in a um, big new iron ore deposit in Guinea. So that's something certainly that we have to be conscious of.
0: Hmm. I'd be
2: more concerned, Barry, about governments taking the mining industry for granted and killing the goose that lays the golden egg by imposing so many penalties and uh, taxes on it that uh, it ends up making it very hard for companies to rationalise making investments because the returns aren't there. So I'd be much more concerned about us shooting ourselves in the foot uh, by making mining and and investment and and exploration unattractive.
0: Once upon a time, Terry... uh businesses had concerns about interest rates, uh, the economy, uh, overseas markets, but one of the things that's rising to the top of the pudding at the moment is government legislation changes. They're becoming more concerned about that.
2: Absolutely, Barry. I mean, it, and it covers not just the potential for the government to have a resources tax or and or other taxes, uh, but just the sheer intrusion into the way business operates, all the red tape... Uh, and it's not just government legislation, it's government regulation and all the bureaucracies that are created, often mostly with good intentions, but it makes it very hard for business to operate.
0: I'm seeing that in our industry at the moment, a lot of things are coming in that have to be completed and when you look at them, from our point of view, uh, for no reason, it's not protecting anybody.
1: And at 12 to 1, you're listening to Finance Talk Back.
0: And very we have, we do, we have Terry McCran, uh, one of Australia's best-known uh, uh, newspaper columnists and uh, TV reporters concerning finance and politics. And, Terry, let's have very quickly a briefly look at some of the other economies. The USA. Uh, They've got huge problems, Barry. Uh, they really do. Unemployment, and also I was reading where there's a possibility, I mean, somebody's mentioned this, that their rating could be dropped from AAA.
2: This is a credit rating for the government. I mean, this is America is the absolute sort of foundation for all borrowing and credit and around the world. The idea that the U.S. government was the absolute safety—you know, you could always lend money to the U.S. government and you get repaid—it was absolute blue chip, triple A-rated securities. Well, they're borrowing so much, Barry. We're now talking in trillions of dollars, not just billions of dollars, Mm -hmm. trillions of dollars. But you're absolutely right that their rating could be downgraded. That. uh, and if that were to happen, it's not going to happen this year, it's not going to happen next year, it might, you know, we're talking a few years down the track, hmm. the reverberations from that would be dramatic, and it's very hard to really get your mind around what, what that would mean for everybody if that were to happen.
0: Well, by bringing in that health uh, thing that they've just brought in, that's not going to help either, is it? I mean, is it no, that
2: adds to the whole thing that if you believe the numbers, they'll, they'll end up balancing the books. But you and I know, Barry, and I'm sure your listeners do as well, that whenever the government says it's going to spend money on something like health, they always will end up spending a lot more than they intend. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe it's a good idea in terms of looking after people, but it just means from a financial perspective that you're going to have even bigger debts and bigger deficits in
0: America. Somebody's got to pay for it. Absolutely. Greece still faces challenges?
2: Well, again, this you know... As you're going around the world, Barry, you see all these issues that haven't been solved. Uh, Greece is essentially a country that's insolvent. Uh, it can't pay its bills. And uh, it wants the rest of Europe to lend it the money to, to, to in order to keep going. And uh, the rest of Europe recognises that they lend the money to Greece. What happens when Spain puts its hand up? What happens when Portugal puts its hand up?
0: That was the next one. Portugal, I believe that they're trying to balance the books over there and they've got seven different answers. What's happening in that country?
2: (laughs) Sounds like an accounting comp. Well, exactly the same thing that's happening in Greece. They've been living beyond their means for many, many years and building up more and more debts. And and in the wake of the financial crisis, where people, the one thing that people got worried about after the financial crisis was, will I get paid my money? Is my money secure when I lend it to people? So naturally, when they look at a country like Greece and they look at a country like Portugal, they start to get twitchy. Mm. So I lend them, and, and we're not talking about you and me, maybe lending ten thousand dollars or investing ten thousand dollars. We're talking about big investment institutions who might be investing ten million dollars. And uh, so, the the idea that you are worried about getting your money back uh, causes you to obviously take the obvious step, which is to take your money home.
0: And As you mentioned a moment ago, uh, living countries living beyond their means. that also comes down to the families in suburbia too, living beyond their means.
2: Well, yes, now you open up a really big question, Barry. I mean debt is very is a very important part of our lives, and uh, without giving people a lecture on uh, on uh, good household finances, debt is a reasonable thing to get into when you want to buy a house and you want to buy some major appliances. Uh, but it's managing debt and keeping it in proportion, obviously, whether it's a country or individuals, that's
0: the key issue. I uh, just had a moment ago, she read something recently that was, I thought was fantastic. I just had a little bit of a laugh. What was it, Jane?
1: <laughs> a budget is something we go without to stay within.
0: <laughs> very simple but very profound, isn't it? Well, indeed. I think it captures the, the challenge. <laughs> China, difficult to get facts, but they seem to be going gangbusters. Inflation could be a problem there? Well, it could be.
2: But the thing that I'd be worried about is can they actually maintain what they've been doing uh, and which so benefits, is, benefits us because they keep buying more and more of our coal and iron ore. Uh, so I have a question, Mark, over whether the, whether the miracle economy... We've been here so many times before, Barry. With, That's right. You know, we thought the Japanese economy was such a perfect economy. It could never go wrong. Before them, the Germans. Uh, even before them, the, the Americans. So all everybody stumbles at some point in time. And uh, we go back to what we were saying before, Barry. We're, we're going to become so reliant on China that in five years' time and ten years' time, if it stumbles... We're in strife. it be a big impact on us.
0: And, of course, China, when it's getting all the commodities in and building things, they've got to find places to sell them. If if, if, uh, the economies around the world, the USA, Greece, Portugal, etc., are having trouble meeting them, they're going to be not buying things.
2: Exactly right, Barry. That's the the challenge they have, and they've sought to meet that challenge by switching to selling not to overseas buyers but to their own internal market and Mm. – they're not, you know, a Chinese consumer is not the same as an American consumer. They don't have the same spending power, even when the American consumers might be out of work. So, um, the, that's, the, that's the issue. Can they keep going?
0: One we don't hear much of, and a population that's going to be bigger than China in not that distant future. India. Now, uh, it's growing its economy. We don't see much about its interest rates. Uh, one of their biggest challenges, of course, is pollution. Now, we don't see much about India. Well,
2: I guess, uh, and f- to explain my own position, I focus on China because China is the big one. And China is so important to us because it buys iron ore and coal. India wasn't doing that so much. It's now beginning to get there, starting to import those things from Australia. Previously, it was self-sufficient and, indeed, was exporting. So, uh, and as you say, exactly right, India is at least as big as China uh, and is going to be following the same path. So... Um, all this is to the good, mm. uh, provided it can be kept going. But as you say, they've got their own challenges.
0: Japan's still asleep?
2: Well, it's 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 sort of a, it's sort of asleep, but 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 wide awake at the same time, <laughs> because it's still a huge economy. It's still buying a lot of our uh, our uh, natural resources. It's just being su- surpassed though by China in terms of adding new demand. Uh, And it's still a hugely successful economy in producing all those miracle consumer goods value, Uh, Mm. uh, although a lot of them are now produced by Japanese companies in China. Um, But you're right in the sense that it's it's not the boom in Japan that we used to have
0: 20 years ago. And least but not last, I wonder if the light's still on, and sorry to all the uh, UK uh, visitors and people who are from the UK, the United Kingdom, they were once upon a time considered to be the world's financial hub.
2: Yes, um, and they will continue to be a hub going forward, but they've taken a real beating with the meltdown, and um, their economy is also as thick as America's. So in the, in the immediate future, uh, uh, it might be a good place to visit on a holiday, Barry, but not, uh, not, not to go to work.
0: <laughs> Terry, I'm going to ask you one question off straight at the top. Predictions. Any predictions for the rest of 210? What do you think?
2: Well, I think that um, the best prediction I can make, Barry, is it's going to be unpredictable. <laughs> By that I mean that uh, one shouldn't assume that you know the Reserve Bank's putting up interest rates; it will just keep putting up interest rates. So that's locked in. No, they're not locked in. The Reserve Bank will act where it thinks necessary, and if it sees things reversing and going downhill again, it'll stop putting rates up and it may even cut them. So that's a sort of a pointer. Generally, to the uncertainty that we've still got in the in the in in the, over the rest of the year. But with that uncertainty aside, I'd be reasonably confident that our economy will continue to be reasonably strong. Uh, China will continue to be good to us. Uh, my concern about instability and unpredictability really is America, because I really do think they've got some huge problems, as you've discussed, and they haven't addressed them. Uh, and they're piling up their debt. Mm. Uh, and their the economy is still pretty much in recession so how they actually break all that and get out of it I, I think is going to be a very tough
0: call. OK, Terry, look, on behalf of everybody at 2 R F M one 103.7 thank you very much indeed for being our guest today and we'd like to wish you and your family a very happy but most of all safe Easter and we will be in contact very soon again.
2: All the best to you and your listeners too for Easter back.
0: Thanks, Terry.
1: Many thanks, Terry McCran. And that just about brings us to the end of Finance Talk Back today.